was sitting here praying, talking to the Lord about, I need your help in order to get this project, this ministry project done. And I said, Lord, stay with me. Let me walk and abide in you clearly in this. I don't want this to be about me. And I said, you know, there's still those those moments where I uh, feel like I'm putting too much of myself out there, making it too much about me when it needs to be about you. And in that moment, I realized I was praying to God and I said, Lord, the only part of me that's of use is the introduction. And then it realized I realized I'm the hook. The point of the story, the point of a personal story is you are the hook. You are what God uses to hook the person. That's what they can identify with. You know, if I were to say to you, you need God, well, that's that's a hook you may not bite on. But you may bite on if I start talking to you about happiness. If I start talking to you about fulfillment, about joy, it's a hook. Jesus said, come, I will make you fishers of men. Well, in my mind, I'm really just the hook. God is the fisher of men. And he's just using the stories. Wow, this is so awesome that I'm realizing this here. I'm trying to write this story. And this my personal story and me <clears throat> and anybody else's personal story and them is just simply the hook. It's the bait. Um, the, the bait has to taste good to the fish, not to the fishermen. So unfortunately... While I may want to just go say, hey, you need the Lord Jesus Christ or you're going to burn in hell and without him you can never experience happiness and fulfillment. That that bait tastes good to me, but I'm the fisherman. Really, God's the fisherman. Whereas if I'm fishing for something else, I need to have bait that tastes good to them. People are looking for happiness. This is how marketing works. People are looking for happiness and contentment or you know joy and satisfaction and success and all of this stuff. Oh my goodness, my place is completely packed. It's a rainy day at the coffee house. I guess I need to go to Airport Road, man. So, anyhow, this is a really, really interesting analogy that all I am, and this this takes the pressure off of me worrying about myself because I'm like God do I have to tell my story do I have to make this about me and the reality is I'm the hook and so if I don't use my story there is no bait there has to be I'm a fisher of men thank you God for this revelation here I've been so worried about being prideful and worried about putting my name and my person in the lights and all that and I don't want to do that and God is saying well I called you to do that for a reason and there's a seven 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 four seven 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 seven. I love that. Praise the Lord. Maybe that's a good sign that I just saw that. It always is a good sign. So, the story is the hook. I just need to remember that. That's all I'm trying to do is hook them with the story, and let God catch them on their catch them on his line. <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> I'm a fisherman. That's what I'm doing. I'm a fisherman. I'm going to go fish with some good bait. I love it. I love it. That is so cool. It's 9.14 on September 30th. Oh, actually, today's October 1st, 2012. Um, the last couple of days have been difficult. There's been a lot of spiritual distractions, a lot of what I would call women distractions, where I believe the enemy is really trying to kind of um, entice me and get me off course and get me flustered and anxious thinking about, you know, women and dating women and finding my wife and all that kind of stuff. And today's been totally different. Today I have felt so relaxed. Um, I worked very diligently today um, on the the project, the AstoriForYou.com project, and I made major progress today. And I um, I went through some journal entries I made where I was just in total anguish and hearing where I've come from just did something in me. It's so, so dramatic to see where I once was and to remember the pain, how difficult it was and to see where God has brought me. It, it just reinvigorated me today and it really helped me get right back on focus that there's a really important work to be done. And, um, I'm excited about doing it. I'm, I'm really excited about helping other people. I know that God will connect the right people to it and um, they'll be encouraged. Something interesting happened this morning. Um, I was thinking about 
and I hadn't heard back from her, and I, I figured I wouldn't. And but um, I sent her an email this morning, just real quick, nonchalant. Hey, I recently did a project for a client, and uh, made me think about your week. Hopefully, this will encourage you. Um, you know, hope you're doing okay. In his grip, Michael. Something real simple. And uh, I never heard back from her, but uh, I sent that message off early this morning, and then. I was driving on my way to Starbucks, and I saw uh, a new number. I saw 919, and then while I was on the phone, that was on a license plate, and while I was on the phone making either a recording or talking to somebody, I think that was while I was making a recording, I saw 909. And I was like, okay, what is that? And I looked it up when I got to... Starbucks, and the only thing I could think of is that it was Numbers 919, and as soon as I came here, I felt like the Spirit of the Lord was telling me, this is it. Numbers 919 says, when the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time, the Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. Interestingly enough, this morning's Bible study... I was finishing up the book, The Core of Christianity, by Dr. Neil Anderson. And Neil Anderson began to talk about a, a period in his life where he and his wife went through the darkest of darkness, where they said they didn't think they would make it had it not been for this one verse in, in Isaiah chapter 50, verse 10. And it says, Who among you fears the Lord? and obeys the word of his servant. Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. What Neil was explaining is that this is saying, not the person who's walking in darkness as in evil or wickedness, but the person who's walking in a in a, in a wilderness experience where God is not consciously making himself or his answers for your life or his direction for your life known. It's a, it's, a, it's a period of being puzzled and not knowing where to go. And he said he clung to that. And the idea was that you're supposed to not doubt in the darkness what God has told you in the light. And when you're going through the darkness, you're to hold on to the revelation God already gave you in the light. So that was my Bible study this morning. Then I'm reading this scripture. <clears throat> and oh, by the way, he said that it's implied as you keep reading, but now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go, walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you have set ablaze, and this is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. And what he's saying is, as God says, for those that become self-sufficient, those that want to make their own light, create their own answers for that situation or kind of take matters in their own hands, they're going to lie down in torment. So he's saying, sure, go ahead, I'll let you, but you're going to be miserable. <clears throat> so I thought that was interesting. And then Numbers 9.19 says, when the cloud remained over the tabernacle a long time. Well, if there was a cloud over it, that would, be, that would mean that there's darkness. We know that they were led by a pillar of cloud during the day and a fire at night. And so this cloud kind of stayed there a long time. The Israelites obeyed the Lord's order and did not set out. So I saw that. Then I saw 909 while I was journaling. 909 is a call to obedience. This is talking about who among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant. This is Isaiah 59. And I'm 50, verse 10, I'm sorry. And I'm starting to think, man, I wonder if God is telling me on this woman dating thing. Remain where I'm at while the pillar of cloud is over top of me. While there is darkness, hold steadfastly to the revelation God had already given me. What's God already asked me to do? God has told me that He would give me a woman again one day. He didn't tell me when. He didn't tell me how. I shouldn't necessarily take matters into my own hands at this point and try and find her. What God has given me to do is the work that he's asked me to do, which is to tell other people the story of what he's done in my life. I can see now how the devil's been using the woman thing to distract me. I see today the incredible fulfillment I got out of moving the ship forward. And I see what appears to be God directing me in Scripture to be obedient and to stay put. Finish the work he gave me and stay put right here. Don't run off. So, 
I've gathered today, I'm supposed to just relax, don't pursue any women right now, and I'm supposed to just get this work done. I feel like God is saying, once I put the story out there, that alone will help me better find the person who's right for me. Instead of me trying to be something I'm not or apologize to somebody if I'm too, quote, religious or love God too much, this will be a situation where once I do the work God's asked me to do, which there's nothing more important than that, the message will be out there. My identity, my character, my beliefs, my fervency for the Lord. It, it'll be a filter in and of itself to, or a barrier to keep away people that are not supposed to be in my inside circle. You know, so anyhow, I feel um, very pe- much peace, more, much more peace, and uh, don't feel anxious, and I'm glad. It's just about enduring. God is telling me that He will strengthen me against the enemy, and He's done so. So, um, today is a, it's a good day. It's today, it helps me remember the dark moments you just have to endure and hold on to what God has spoken in the light. What another very interesting development in the continuing divorce story slash saga. I receive an email today from the court, uh, another court document from actually from his attorney, saying that there's now a hearing scheduled. They're trying to schedule a hearing for, quote, clarification of the final judgment, and uh, which I can imagine why. And another motion back on to try to hold me in contempt or in violation of, I guess, a parenting agreement or what have you. So, <clears throat> I am. I get this. I saw six, six, six two times before I got this email. I saw it on my computer, and I'm almost like, oh Lord! I took a picture of it, and I saw it twice. And so then I got this email. So I'm just like, man, God, you are so awesome. No matter what happens bad, when God shows me 666 in advance, I know he's got it. He's just warning me not to overreact to it. I mean, it's incredible. This is God's grace. I'm this imperfect guy who just loves my Lord. I make plenty of mistakes. I fall over my own feet uh, spiritually. And yet God just just continues to (sighs) provide redeem, deliver, and prosper my soul. I mean, just incredible. So today I get this email, and amazingly enough, this is another really interesting part of the story, and at first I'm like, oh boy, what is, you know, what are they doing now? I can't believe it. I suspect they have to be over $60,000 in bills now, and and legal fees, trying desperately to get what they want. And it's just the insanity. It's like a person willing to cut off their own nose despite their face, this person that just will just go and go and go and bury themselves alive in the process of trying to hurt somebody. I mean, it's just crazy. But the thing that was interesting is the, in the report for the quote, clarification of the final judgment, imagine that a motion for clarification of the final judgment that in and of itself shows how unbelievable my God is. He changed the final judgment so much that they're now having to list like 20 different items that say this was declared by the magistrate, yet it is absent from the final judgment. This was declared by the magistrate, yet absent from... And there's 20 different points, maybe 15, that say this is no longer in there. This is no longer in there. It's proof. It's almost like God gave me the proof. I remember showing the telling the story to to Todd Bowerly. And I said, Todd, it's a miracle. God removed every single one of the things that were not supposed to be in the agreement out. All the things that they added to it. He took them out. And he's like, how do you know they weren't in there to begin with? And I said, because Todd, I saw all of the proposed final judgments and they were in every single one of them, including the most recent one that was just waiting to be approved. Now I have legal proof showing from the other side that they're now going, wait a second, all this stuff was taken out. How did that happen? It wasn't me. I didn't do it. God did it. Amazingly enough, God began showing me the scripture the other day. I I read through it. I've been uh, prompted to read through the book of Isaiah. And I came across this verse about a week ago. Isaiah 14, 27. It says, For the Lord Almighty has purposed... And who can thwart him? 
His hand is stretched out, and who can turn it back? It's the idea of what, what God has purposed and done. Who can, who can unwind that? Nobody. So here I am, immediately clinging to faith. On my way home, I see 414, which is that Hebrews verse, which since we have such a, um, a witness in Jesus Christ, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. God again, testing my faith. He's been telling me regularly to stand firm in this. And so I am, and I'm I know that what God has declared, no man can unwind. It is staggering to see the amount of anger and to see the bitterness and to see the willingness to drive oneself into the ground to try to get their way. I mean, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. I feel so sorry. On one hand, I say, Lord, go ahead, crush, crush the teeth of my enemies, Lord. They are mocking you. They are absolutely being obstinate, just like the Pharaoh. I mean, this is like the Pharaoh. No matter how many things this woman sees, she just keeps coming. I mean, I just can't believe it. And they have no idea that God time-stamped this thing. They have no idea that God told me 18 months ago to fire my attorney, that he would take care of this for me. They have no idea that this little kid with a stone and a slingshot going up against the giant was told, you will have victory. It will be done in a way that is very unusual and it will bring me much glory and it will not be because you had an attorney or be a better attorney. It's going to be something completely unusual. They have no idea that God has shown me 666 throughout an 18 month to two year period, actually over a two year period. God has shown me this every single time. They've come at me with one of these accusations or bad news or something. They have no idea that God trumps every single step the devil takes. They have no idea that I've seen the number 666 over 150 times in two years. They have no idea that God has shown me 777 over, I don't know, 60 times in the last year promising me. They have no idea that I've seen the number 555 at probably, you know, 75 to 90 times promising me that he would deliver me, telling me in advance he would deliver me. And they have no idea that from the date that she filed the divorce and the day that I received the divorce paperwork was 777 days. They do not realize the futility of their efforts. They have no idea that they are working against God. God said to the Pharaoh, I raised you up for this very reason so that my name may be known and feared throughout all of Israel. God hardened the heart of the of the Pharaoh, made him obstinate, made him belligerent, made him just nasty, and gave him a stone-cold heart so that he would stand against God, standing against Moses, and that God would eventually do a mighty act of judgment to redeem his people and show and prove to them he was God. He is doing the exact same thing in my divorce. And the amazing thing is, is that I sensed even as miraculous as getting the final divorce paperwork was with all of the stuff gone miraculously after I had been denied justice three times. Three different people I asked for justice denied it. But God, I knew, I sensed, this isn't done yet. This isn't done yet. God still has not done the mighty act of judgment. This was a miracle deliverance, but this is not the mighty act of judgment. And I've been seeing 606 quite a bit. And I'm like, God, what is that about? Now I'm sensing that God is still not done. He is going to do some other things. They are going to continue in their obstinance. They are going to continue just like the Pharaoh did. Even though they've seen the hand of God turn them back, they're going to continue in their hard heart. And God is going to bring judgment. God is, he has shown me Psalm 40 verse 5 multiple times by using the number 818. That's page 818 in my Bible, which says, many will hear and fear the Lord. 
God is building, and here I am writing the story, getting ready to film it. Like tomorrow, I was going to start filming this little story, and it's still not done yet. Granted, I'm going to still move forward as if the result is still the same because God is telling me to stand firm on the faith that I profess. This is now just unbelievable. I, and I, God is, is going to battle for me in a way that's far greater than I ever could imagine because he's working for his glory. It really has nothing to do with me. I'm a means to an end, his glory. And so is and her attorney. And her parents, they're all just a means to an end. And God is using them just like he used the Pharaoh. I cannot wait to see what God is going to do. I, I thought, man, the story's over, but it's not. He's still doing amazing things. Praise be to the Lord in heaven. On my prayer walk this morning, I've been talking uh, to the Lord and uh, been just kind of meditating. And this thought occurs to me that I'm at a place where I haven't asked men very very much men uh, people for wisdom or insight in a long time other than Larry and Trish on a few things I navigate every day or every other day by decisions that need to be made and I realize how I no longer run to men and our, uh, this, this happens, it seems, in the life of all of us. We all want to know what God has to say about our life. We want His answers for our life. But we don't trust either ourselves and our standing before God well enough, like we are in wrong standing with God. Or we don't believe that He's this personal God who will speak to us through the Holy Spirit. And, in, and He can share His Word and give us insight and wisdom. And He can certainly use other people. But we should always go to Him first. And what I see is that a lot of people constantly run. They want somebody else to save them. I got a phone call last night about a guy who's going through serious marriage issues. And a buddy of mine wants to refer this guy to me because he's going through terrible, terrible stuff. And yes, I'd like to be able to comfort him. But there again, there is this pattern of a person <clears throat> not trusting God enough. I didn't go to men. I went to God, and God brought a man or, or two or three people into my life to give me instruction or to affirm what He had already instructed me, to confirm it. So, it's this opposite reproach. We've got an opposite approach. We've got to get people turning back to God and, and waiting upon the Lord. Nobody has ever waited upon the Lord and be, become a fool. God is faithful. And so if you are in right standing before God, you're not living in willful known sin, you've repented, you're not walking in unforgiveness towards anybody, you can boldly go to the throne of God and seek Him for all wisdom. The Bible says you do not need anyone to teach you, for the anointing that remains in you is basically sufficient, and it will teach you. That's the Holy Spirit. The anointing is from the Holy Spirit, and He teaches you. He is our counselor. We don't need to run to men. We're running to sinful men for problems to spiritual... Fleshly sinful men for problems with spiritual issues. We need to be running to God. It's uh, 6.25 on October 5th. It's a Friday. And I'm uh, almost in... I'm in Florida, and I'm almost to Larry and Trisha's house. And I've... I've seen 666 about three times today, so I knew there was something coming. And it, this happens every single time I come to Florida because I'm getting here, my ex-wife. It really is almost comical. Um, it's like it's like something you would write in a movie, you know. And um, sure enough, she's you know even though we're divorced and I have 100% you know parental rights and she has 100% parental rights, meaning we have shared parental responsibility. And she doesn't have any more rights to the children than I do, except for the fact that they live with her primarily. Um, she's now starting to, to, to play games with me being able to see the kids. She's deliberately uh, saying, you know, well, we have something scheduled, we have something scheduled, and she's we've traded about three or four emails now, and she's trying to weasel out of me being able to have a one-on-one -on -one, uh, birthday dinner with Tyler. And she continues to take actions 
to try to, to hurt the kids and let it be at my hand, you know, or to hurt me with the children. And, um, well, it's just really disappointing. And, uh, this one, this last email, because I'm so tired, kind of got me. So I thought immediately I need to pray and journal this. And, uh, this is one of those things where you just have to, you have to turn the other cheek. You know, you, the, the, the scriptural, response to something like this many people would say you know no this is my children i have a legal right to these kids and you would want to fight for that right but we don't do the fighting we let the lord do the fighting it is a totally different situation and when you are a sold out christian you recognize that god sees every wrong every wrong you don't fight for 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 your your rights you let god fight for your rights the bible says and it's very clear you can't argue about this jesus christ taught in matthew 5:39 do not resist an evil person and unfortunately my ex-wife is acting out of evil and she is an evil person at this point and there is no way for me to violate scripture it says do not resist this is what God told me before I went and engaged with her in the legal battle. He said, do not resist an evil person. Be prepared. If she sues you for her cloak, give her your tunic. If she asks you to go one mile, go with her too. And so I got to the place where I surrendered to that. And it just so happens to, to be that God's grace was such that he never made me actually have to do that. But in my heart, I fully surrendered. I have plenty of recordings and conversations with my parents where I said... If I have to go to jail, so be it. If I have to pay $30,000, so be it. God will provide. And I'm going to turn the other cheek and be willing to suffer. And so now, the same test of my faith is occurring where, you know, this is my children. There is nothing in the world that is more important to me. Nothing, not anything comes even close to being able to push my buttons other than messing with my own flesh and blood and my children who I love so much. And yet, and yet... I trust God. The Lord Jesus Christ sees every second of this. And there are so many people I know, so many friends I call. And this is the difference between where I used to be and where I'm at now. And this is what frustrates me when I get phone calls from people that want me to counsel them. And out of their mouths comes a weak attempt at trying to let God handle it. And they don't do it. They end up retaliating. They end up backbiting they end up sending you know i'm gonna fight for this and we all drowned in our own folly at this point this is what god has taught me totally trust the lord for this i'm gonna ask for what i want i'm gonna be as nice and as flexible as i possibly can and if she does not accommodate that i completely trust the lord and i know and i will just know that god bless her heart her day is coming she god will not be mocked even if it's not in this lifetime I feel so sorry for her and I have compassion for her that she continues to act like this, desperately hurting my children and me just because of her own bitterness and anger. And she's not mad at me. She's mad at herself. She's been like this for years. She was angry like this before I even knew her. And it just so happens that I'm the vent. Everybody, some, a hurt person has to have something to blame. And it just so happens that at this point in time, for these many years, it's been me the, to blame. So, instead of getting all bent out of shape and angry, you know, the way I used to respond to this would be I'd spend a couple of hours maybe. Yeah, sometimes usually it got to the point where it would take me about, you know, 10 or 15 minutes. I'd kind of get angry about it, hot under the collar, and then I'd relax. And now I don't even feel that. I just, I feel compassion. I feel sorry for my children. But... I just, I can't turn back. I have seen God move in such powerful ways. It trumps everything. There is nothing a single person living on the planet could, could say to me to change my mind from trusting God. Nothing. I'm willing to die for it. I'm willing to stand in front of a, a villain and have them put a gun in my head and say... Do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Because if you say yes, I'm going to pull the trigger. I'm going to say, what's taking you so long? I mean, there, there's a you get to a place in your faith in these areas where 
you have seen God move so many times and you have seen his faithfulness that there is nothing that anybody could do. There is no circumstances, none, that could take take it back. This is how we see the apostles and the disciples being willing to be murdered and hung upside down on a cross and losing everything and living homeless and dependent upon God and enduring shipwrecks and persecution and brokenness and robberies and being cold and going without food. We see them because they know something the rest of us don't know. They trust, they're able to trust God in a way that most people can't. And that's where I'm getting. I'm getting to a place where I'm able to, by God's grace, because I yielded early on, He has continued to fill me up. And by the Holy Spirit's enabling, you get to a place where you can trust God no matter what. And He's not uh, pushing me beyond my limits. He's giving me only things that His grace is sufficient to cover. And uh, so I'm just going to pray and ask the Father to open up a door for me to spend time with my son. And I'm going to completely trust God for the results. I'm not going to complain to I'm not going to accuse her. I'm not going to need to do any of that. I don't even need to say this to the court because God sees it. Praise the Lord. God sees it. Amen. i got to remember how to teach people to get this. They have got to get to the point where people can totally understand that God sees the wrongs and the injustice and they can be willing to trust God. They can turn the other cheek and be willing to be cheated and be wronged because in the end, God will make it right. Man, if only people could get this, the world would be a completely different place starting tomorrow. So today is October 5th. And it's, um, I'm on my way back to Florida, get to see my kiddos, can't wait to see them tomorrow, and uh, yesterday was a very, very exciting day, yesterday was the first day of me kicking off um, the first video, the introduction to a story, I um, had all the cameras set up, and then my mom came in, and she did her testimony, and it was just incredible, my mom's testimony was the best part of the whole evening as she just humbly shared the transformation she saw in me and the frustration that we encountered because I believed at a different level than she did. And um, her and Bob witnessing the numbers and witnessing my faith and obedience and my forgiveness of Terry when they would hold on to anger and bitterness, they saw me uh, you know, walking in faith and in forgiveness and continuing to trust and seeing the numbers to the point where they finally had to say, clearly, something's going on we don't understand. Clearly, God is speaking to Michael. It was just wonderful. And my mom was so humble in, in uh, sharing where she was at. And uh, it was just great. Mine started off as a real struggle. I started off trying to tell it in a story where the camera was looking not directly. I wasn't looking directly at the camera, and it just wasn't working for me. I was all over the place. And finally, I just... I was frustrated, and my parents came home, and I'm like, you know, I, I need to just, when you guys go to bed, I'm going to try one more shot at this. I just need to speak from my heart directly to the person at the camera. And I did that, and I, I think and I hope it came out really well. I was really um, excited. It felt heartfelt. It felt, um, it just felt sincere, and I hope and pray that that happened, that it comes out well. Um, the night before I decided to do this, I was on the phone with the kids, and the kids have been sounding great, but Ashley didn't want to talk to me for some reason. Tyler tried to hand her the phone, and she wasn't saying anything, and that's never happened before. And um, after I went through all the kids, I was talking with Chelsea, and I had seen 666 like once or twice that day, so I knew something was going to happen. And then Chelsea's on the phone, and she goes, Dad, you haven't talked to Ashley. I said, yeah. I said, she... I don't know what's going on with her. She didn't take the phone. And um, she said, well, she started running through the house. Dad has to talk to Ashley. And I said, honey, if she doesn't feel good, she doesn't have to talk to Daddy. And she ran into her mom. She said, Mom, what's what's wrong with Ashley? Where's Ashley? And in a very hateful, um, you know, very dis disrespectful way, she said, I don't know, she's just mad at Dad. And said it loud enough to where I could, of course, hear it. And... You know, it's a five-year-old girl. I haven't talked to her in anything. There's no way she's mad at me. I haven't done anything to her. I haven't had the opportunity. I didn't even have the opportunity to talk to her. So 
I realized that was that was the night before I'm trying to do my ministry, and it just went right like water on a duck's back. I got on my knees and prayed for. It was just so disappointing, and it's just amazing to me to to see the transformation because, you know, months ago, um, not months ago, probably more than more likely, you know, three to six months ago, I I would have been very upset by that, and I might have a year ago I would have fired off a "How dare you" email to. I'm not going to put up with this. How dare you treat my children like this? How dare you, you know, use them to get back at me? And I would have probably fired off one of those type of emails. And now, by God's grace, it just doesn't even matter anymore. That stuff just doesn't get on me. It's amazing. It really is amazing for me to even see. Because it's like I know how I really feel. And it just doesn't feel that way. God has so blessed me with His grace and compassion for um, and then, of course, now she's trying, trying to stiff-arm me on the children and trying to put resistance on me seeing the kids and, and blocking down her schedule and, and limiting me to only two hours with Tyler for his birthday dinner and saying that her schedule is, you know, taking priority and this, that, and the other and um, threatening to call the child support people on me because I didn't pay child support July and August when the kids were with me full-time um, under the temporary standing order. And... Um, just really kind of still walking in that anger and still walking and I'm going to get you and you've done wrong to me and I'm hurt and I just I feel exhausted for her I don't know how a person carries that much anger and bitterness that long I've never seen anything like this in my entire life I mean I remember when I had a a lady, uh, a friend, Denise, who I dated for a while, a girl in college, and she had she'd processed like 10,000 divorces, and she said she had never seen one like this, where a woman stayed this angry and this bitter this long, you know, and uh, so, I don't know, it's just, poor thing, I feel so bad for her, I feel so bad for her, I just continue to pray for her and lift her up, but I see the enemy trying to attack me, he was trying to confuse me in my mind, he was trying to discourage me, so he's using my wife my child um, I got into a little tangle with Jill the day before and so you could just see all of these things actually Jill was just kind of accusing me of something that I didn't do and I just thought isn't that just like the devil the day before I'm walking in he is throwing everything he can my ex-wife my ex-girlfriend my children um, confusion of my mind uh, you know and then just one thing after another and I just pressed through with God's help. I just prayed. When I felt the resistance, when I felt discouragement, I just prayed and said, God, I need your help. I, I want to finish this. You've asked me to finish this work. Help me, Lord. And I got a long way to go, but it felt great to sit down and to be able to share. And I just can't wait for the first person to get the card. I'm going to design the card and work on the videos and stuff while I'm in Florida, but I cannot wait to hand out the first card to someone and... I can't wait for the first email that says, thank you so much for being bold enough to share. I needed to hear this so bad, and this has moved me and challenged me. And I just, I know I'm going to cry. I'm going to cry the first time I see that email. After all this work and this time and all these doubts and the enemy telling me, oh, you're an idiot. Why are you going to tell the story? Nobody's going to believe you. Oh, you're going to put the journal entries out there if you cry and sound like a crybaby. I mean, people are going to prejudge you. You don't know how to do this. You know, I mean, every possible thing you can think of has been thrown at me to stop me from doing this, to discourage me. And with God's help and standing in faith, I'm not doubting in the darkness what God has proclaimed to me in the light, and I'm just walking through on it. So I really am just very excited in my spirit um, about what it's going to do for people. I know that if none, nothing less, the story will help embolden Christians. I need to be able to separate the salvation story from my Christian testimony, I mean, from the from the story of what God's faithfulness is, because I don't want to hold back on the, the testimony um, be, because of the fact that I'm trying to get somebody to believe in Jesus Christ. You know, I'm, I'm kind of having to hold back on some things up front, but I'm going to not hold back at all once I've taken somebody through the idea of, listen... The things I'm going to get about to explain to you are not going to make sense unless you know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to share the gospel. I'm going to ask the person to pray with me to receive Jesus Christ and to let me know if they've accepted him in faith. And I, um, 
I just can't wait. The thought just occurred to me that I just need to share with people that you believe in Jesus Christ the same way I believed I could walk into a courthouse without an attorney and have faith that God would deliver me. His word says he would deliver me. His word says that if you call upon his name, he will save you. That if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You believe this in faith because the word of God says it and because millions of people over the years have all, over thousands of years, have believed it, seen it, lived for it, died for it. There's nothing more powerful than the word of God. And... Yes, it seems like foolishness for a time, but when you set aside the foolishness and you begin to believe in faith and take the Bible at its word, God steps in to your life and reveals himself to you and you begin to partake of his joy. And then if you continue in being obedient and you continue to learning and studying God's word and seeking his face and trusting him and having faith, he comes in even greater. And that's how you begin to maintain the relationship where Jesus Christ said he will come and make his home with you and your joy will be made complete so I need to make sure I remember that I cannot wait to share the gospel man I can't wait to share the gospel I'm sitting here waiting for my kids to arrive in the target parking lot and I'm just praising the Lord and praying to him and I just had this thought that I'm just so thankful for uncertainty in my life I, it just what a what a weird thought that is, but I love the dependence that it creates on Jesus Christ. I love the fact that I don't know what every day holds. I don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know where I'm going and how I'm going to get there. It's the exact opposite of the goal-setting, visioneering, dreaming big approach to life, and I'm just so thankful for it. I'm so thankful for the daily dependence upon God, being on an adventure, and um, just being dependent upon Him. It, 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 it's the exact phenomena that occurred when Katie Davis from the book Kisses from Katie, have, having lived in eight months in Uganda, learning total dependence upon Jesus Christ for everything from rent to, you know, beans to you name it, the children, school supplies, coming back to the United States where everything's just a, a walk away, a store away, a, a request away, a phone call away. It, it leaves you with no dependence upon God. And... I don't know. I just, my soul is just refreshed this morning. I've always wanted certainty. I've always wanted to know where I was going, how I was going to get there, to have a sense of stability, a sense of security. And yet my soul now relishes in uncertainty and realizing that I'm dependent every day, every moment on Jesus Christ. I, I, I love that. And I, I, the thing I love the most about it is realizing that I love that and Getting to this place where what what did what did just came out of my mouth? I mean, <laughs> that is just so exact opposite of how most human beings are wired. We are driven for security. We don't see this in the New Testament. It doesn't exist nowhere in the Bible. Does it say if you do this, then your life will work perfect? It says that your path will be straight, but it doesn't tell you what the path looks like, where it's headed, um, you know, or what's in the path. You know, it just tells you that God will, if you trust him, he will make your path straight. Well, he does. It doesn't say if you trust in your goal-setting program or you trust in your vision or you do right and your life will open up and become perfectly clear and stable and predictable. No, Jesus said, you will have troubles. Take heart, I have overcome the world. He says, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. I mean, this is, you know, this is about dependence upon God each day. Trust God. Man, what a life. What an adventure. I'm finally getting the adventure of living for, through, with, and in faith of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord Almighty. So this morning, I've been feeling a little bit off on a couple of things. And the last couple of days has got me off of my routine. So on my way to see Steve Benton this morning, I've spent nearly the whole time in prayer and meditation of the Lord. I've seen 666 twice. I began to enter into prayer overseeing 666 twice, thanking God again for his warnings, thanking him for um, the thorn in the flesh that keeps me dependent upon him. I felt a tiny bit of um, uh, kind of self-awareness creep in 
the other night. Here is uh, 111 right here before my very eyes. God saying, this is my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Um, thank you, Jesus. I love you too. And so I've just been prayer and worshiping him and asking him to come close to me and uh, forgiving me of any pride, forgiving me of any thoughts of myself. Um, God has been showing me that I'm, 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 I'm trying sometimes around my friends too hard to get them to validate the work that God has done in my life. But it's difficult for them to see it because of a prophet having no honor in his own hometown. So I keep seeing 444. I've seen that a couple of times, realizing what that means. I see 666 twice. I'm giving God thanks. And while I'm giving him thanks, I look up and I see a truck that I just took a picture of. It says 303 on the back, which is 2 Thessalonians 3.3. And the Lord is faithful and will strengthen you against the evil one. And so I just am so thrilled. God is so good. I asked him to refresh my spirit. And here he is faithfully refreshing my spirit. I can see how easy it is again to get off track you just you can drift slowly slowly over a couple of days just get out of routine you're not spending as much time in prayer you're not spending as much time in God's word you're thinking about other things you know I went and bought a couple new clothes I don't have you know I really probably can't afford it so I feel guilty about it the enemy's harassing me about that and you know Larry and Trish are are starting to experience a little bit of anxiety um, from the wedding coming up and I can see they're getting a little quiet and, and all that and you know you wonder oh is it me should I not be here and the enemy's speaking to me on that so I've just been silencing him on all those things um, and just going back to trusting in my daddy and here he is refreshing my spirit I do not have to know all the mysteries of God I do not have to fathom all knowledge I do not have to know everything in God's will I do not have to be perfect I simply need to humble myself trust in God's grace, continue to seek His face, do what I know as best I know, always trusting in Him. And uh, He's just proven Himself over and over to be faithful. Even when I get off course, He's right there guiding me back. He's so faithful. Steve Benton and I had lunch today down on the river in New Smyrna Beach. And we were sitting there enjoying some wonderful fish sandwiches and just talking about our stories and talking about God using our testimonies for His glory. And a lady comes walking up and recognizes Steve's shirt and says, Hey, we go to the same church. And he recognized her. Her name was Linda. So they talked for a couple of minutes and then he introduced her to me. And then she had mentioned uh, that she had just lost her job yesterday. And... I heard it and then she kept talking and then she said it again and Steve says so you lost your job yesterday and he she said yeah and he said well can we pray for you and she said yes and so Steve reached out his hand I reached out my hand and then Steve said Michael would you lead and so I just began to pray for her and while I was praying for her I felt the spirit lead me to pray um, that maybe God has allowed this this season for a reason that there was an opening in her schedule for her to begin to focus on some things that she's been putting off and she started to really get excited I could hear her say yes and she was excited in her spirit um, and I just began to pray about that that God would open up her schedule and her time and her her resources to make them available during this off time that she could she could work on these things that God had been calling her to work on that she they were important to her and I mean to him and so forth and so on and um, at the end of the prayer, she said, my goodness, she said, are you a preacher? And I said, well, I just love the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, I talk to people about him whenever I get a chance. So I guess that does make me a preacher, aren't we all? And she was just, it was really nice. It was, I guess, her way of edifying my prayer and then what happened in the prayer. So um, that was really just a very interesting thing to have happen. And it felt good because I, I feel like, you know, the Spirit gave me utterance for the first time during somebody's prayer. I felt like, I mean, obviously you sometimes know some general things to pray for, but I felt like the Spirit had really caused me to pray that for her. And she walked away being edified and encouraged, and I walk away being edified because I know that the Holy Spirit is the one that directed me to say those words and to have that impression for her during prayer. And it was just such a such a sweet moment to be able to do that little thing for somebody, something as simple as to believe in faith for somebody before the God 
of the universe and faith. So that just was a really neat experience to have. What a blessing. So I see 66 twice today, and uh, I just see an email here from... And it says, took the kids to their uh, six-month dentist and everything went well. Checkup-wise, except for Kaylee had a spot in her molars that maybe needs to be filled and said that there's a sore in her mouth, like a bubble that's by her tooth that is dying. And they said that's a result of the infection from the tooth dying where she had tripped when she was about two years old or three years old, I guess, and chipped her tooth in half and said that Kaylee said... Oh, that was there in Alabama, and Daddy was trying to brush it till it popped. And so I just go, oh, my Lord, here's another thing. First, it's the broken arm that I get blamed for, and he says it's the trampoline, which is a complete lie. It turns out that the children actually pushed her off the couch at her own house after they got back. My son, Tyler, admitted this to me, and so I get unblamed now in court for the broken arm, and now here comes a thing with the tooth. And so I've immediately recognized it, and I'm not going to participate in the lie, and I'm just going to continue to know that I am in the Lord's grace, that the Father has um, got me right where He wants me. The thorn in my flesh keeps me humble. I'm so thankful for the lies and the betrayal and the accusations and the suffering and the nonstop just craziness that comes. This is just, it's comical. I just want to reply back and send her an email and go, Goodness gracious, do you realize that everything that's ever happened to our kids now has happened when they were in Alabama? I mean, that how long are you going to be able to ride this horse? I mean, it's just unbelievable. The drama around everything, it's always blaming me for something. And I just, I feel so sorry for her. And I'm so thankful that God is using the devil like this. He must care an awful lot about me to let me go through this kind of... Um, persecution and non-stop suffering and it keeps me humble on the Lord it keeps me dependent upon him and there is something so good about the thorn and the flesh <clears throat> God's grace is sufficient when you finally realize this and you see it that God gave it to you because you are his beloved son who he has edified and has taught you much and to keep you from being conceited he gives you a thorn in the flesh what a blessing what a blessing. So now I'm going to sit before my word and I'm going to fill up with God's word. I'm going to not participate in the lie and I'm going to flood and meditate my mind on truth and renew my mind. I'm going to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ.